Welcome to a new episode of The Listening Room. In this week's podcast, we have a new guest with us, Vincent, founder of Anticipate Pictures, an independent film distribution company based in Singapore. Over the past two years, Anticipate Pictures has brought many critically acclaimed foreign films to our shores, with titles such as Tony Atman, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Patterson, and most recently Climax and The House That Jack Built, all of which we'll discuss later in this podcast. In the past, we had lengthy conversations about film appreciation and filmmaking in general, and I really enjoy our conversations together. So needless to say, I'm really excited that it's here today. As a two-year-old company, Anticipate Pictures need all the support they can get. So check out his website and Facebook page, which will have all the information that you need. And if a film interests you, hey, just get a ticket, get a date, go down and watch a movie. Alright, so here we go. Let's begin. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Hello. Thanks for having me, Josiah. Hey, man. Hello. We've uh, known each other for... About a year. About a year-ish, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You started coming to uh, some of our f- uh, early screenings at uh, the Arts House. Oh, yeah. yeah good times, then, man. Yeah, good time. Yeah. Uh, and we uh, connected uh, before and after films, uh, yep. I, I believe. Um, and and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's great to see... Um, you coming back for more and more of our titles, uh, and now we have sort of started showing at the GV and oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so so uh, it's it's nice uh, to 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 see a, f- a friendly face every yeah. time yeah I'm I'm happy that you guys uh managed to get into GV though because the sitting capacity is way bigger than Arts House mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely yeah. Yeah, that's just one of the benefits of being able to access uh, a circuit uh, mm. we, we call this cinemas uh, circuits or chains um a, a commercial circuit would have. Uh, ticketing, soft settled, uh, you know, concessions for food and drinks, soft settled, and of course the projection uh, as well. So it's it's great to have somebody uh, like GV showing our films. Yeah, yeah. but uh, one one thing I do like about the arts house is that there's a sense of like coziness in the theater. You know, yeah, yeah. sometimes you just feel like, hey, this is like my own private space. You know, yes, yeah, because it's small, it's cozy, it's nice. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the outside space was something that we found quite promising in the early days. Mm. Uh, when we first started, we felt like, oh, we can, you know, uh, bring our films here and then make make it our own. And I, I talked extensively in the beginning of the year it, whenever I had interviews or I was on social media saying that, oh, it's nice that we, we have this space and you can build a community around it. Um, but then uh, the arts house itself also has some intrinsic challenges. <coughs> it's not known to be a uh, cinema space. Mm. So we were also trying to promote the space as well as the films yep. that, that we had. And by and large, over the long term, it would not be sustainable anyway. So um, yeah, we're just happy that we were able to book our films in, in the in GV. La. Nice, nice. Um, before we jump into the films that you have brought and uh, bringing to Singapore, let's maybe talk a bit about yourself. Okay. Um, where did this all start? Your passion for film, and give us a bit of a background of of, of Vincent. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, the, in, in the risk of sounding very self-serving and narcissistic. Uh, I I first started um, my love for cinema when I saw a bootleg copy of Vanilla Sky, um, the Cameron Crowe film from two thousand one. Is, is it the one with? Uh, uh, Tom Cruise? Yeah, that's the one right, Tom right, Cruise. Right. Tom Cruise has been that with Penelope Cruz, which in itself was also a remake of a Spanish film called Open Your Eyes. Um, so I saw I first saw Vanilla Sky and um, on, on a bullet DVD when I was 14. And uh, I think after I saw that film, it really changed my life. Um, in terms of seeing films more than just escapist entertainment, I, I had the usual you know, diet of you know the Alien series, and I mm. love that, you know, Predator and... Uh, going in the Terminator series. I was very into science fiction and genre films uh, growing up. But uh, Vanilla Sky really, really showed me, um, you know, what can happen when an, 
director has a vision and a story that was very compelling and spoke to the current uh, state of mind. Right. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the film, I won't spoil it, but it really just, uh, uh, you really go delve into the mental state. Uh, this was before, I feel like, Eternal Sunshine came in. and, and, and Yeah, a couple of years before Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, a yeah. couple of years before Eternal Sunshine. Um, so yeah, it really changed my mind. And then shortly after that, I saw Requiem for a Dream. Damn. Uh, which is Wait, you were 14? I was 14. Yeah, and okay, what? so, so uh, basically, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 uh, after I discovered that I really love uh, these kind of films, I want to find more, and, and there wasn't a lot of choices to find them. Mm. So I became very good friends with uh, the uh, bootleg DVD sellers across the causeway. Ah, we all know them. We, we all, all know, know them, them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I know them so well that by the time, I think two years or a couple of years after I started to buy so many f- uh, from from these people, they they just immediately show me the back room, right? And I I just like their premium it. collection kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, the stuff that was like old enough that they don't want to put it on the shelves in front. Yeah, but also some of the stuff that was a bit more risque and right and more art house in that sense. So Did, like, yeah, go on. Yeah, didn't they have like video easy EZY back then? Yeah, we yeah, can yeah, borrow yes brand DVDs, right? Yeah, so video easy was great. Uh, the only problem was they tend to be situated in areas uh that like inconvenient yeah yeah <laughs> like in Bukit Timah or yeah, like, like uh, uh, I think there was one at King Albert Park and, and, and it was very hard to get to those because you know I'm a bumpkin kid from uh, Ishun mm. so going out to these places and you know at 14 and 15 uh, you don't really you don't have access or a lot of time you know you're drugging tuition and, and school and stuff so uh, yeah yeah so so my, my, my JB contacts and then um, uh, of course you know uh, piracy was a was a big thing growing mm. up as well. Um, I I basically fueled my cinephilia with piracy, and it's something that I feel uh, I've I had to come to terms with when I started my own company um, mm. and doing things the legal way, buying rights to f- to show films here in Singapore. Right, right. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other separate topic. That <laughs> right, yeah. But in in, in essence, uh, I n- I don't need to pirate anymore, and I don't. Um, so 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 that's that's where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah, and also because at, at the time, like, two thousand one was how many years ago? Seventeen years ago. Yeah. Like cin- c- Singapore cinemas weren't showing a lot of uh, art house films, if you can if you can put it that way, right? Yeah. It's, m- yep. it's more mainstream stuff that, that, that like American Hollywood films. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, actually, it wasn't all for naught. Um, before the projector in twenty fourteen, um, even. Uh, there were overseas cinemas. There was some. There was a con called Golden, which is now, which used to be at um, where the projector is. Right. There was mm. Yangtze. Yangtze was some mm. of the everybody's catch favorite cat tree cinema where they showed risque films, but they also showed a lot of Kim Ki Duk films. Mm. Um, and Golden also, uh, or like I think they, call, they were called overseas Chinese films or something. Uh, they they also showed these R twenty one films, M eighteen R twenty one films, uh, Pulp but Fiction, but only stuff. a specific m- uh, target uh, market. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you, I mean, there was some kind of salacious uh, quality to these mm. titles. But then there, sometimes you find a gem or two at these cinemas, uh, and they're completely independent. Of course, they 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 they, they won't owned by Shaw or, yeah. or, or, or GV or Cathay. Mm. Um, yeah, so so there were independent cinemas before the projector, um, but sort of. But maybe they'll be cast in a negative light, right? Yeah, like they people go there to do like, you know. Yeah, to if you were there for illicit date or something, yeah. you would go to that, that cinema. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> there, there, there was still something. Right. Uh, but yeah, back then it was a lot harder. La. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. And you started studying in the US, right? For Yeah. Uh, oops, sorry. Hit the mic. Uh yeah I I so so after cinephilia hit uh, I graduated from JC into army and I came out and I got accepted into uh, USC which is a school in Southern California in Los Angeles and uh, I studied filmmaking there 
but while doing my filmmaking degree at USC, uh, I realized I like to pref- I prefer to be in the cinemas more than on set. Right. Um. So that was, uh, you know, kind of a disjoint from my fellow peers who were there to make films, and they were mm. always, you know, when they were looking at um. Uh, internships. They were looking at production studios. They were looking at the big studios, right. trying to score, uh, you know, a running gig or something, or assistant to the producer gig. Whereas I was looking at more distribution gigs. I was mm. looking at, um, yeah, you know, which distribution companies. I look at film festivals I could intern with. Um, and then, you know, when I had some free time, I would just travel. It was easier to travel in when you were already in North America. You could travel to. I went to Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal. For the for the the, the known for the John Film Festival mm. uh, alongside uh, uh, South by Southwest, um, of course. Uh, so Fantasia was a great. I, I saw you know the Human Centipede Part One premiered there, Damn. world premiered there. Yeah, uh, I saw uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. world oh, nice, nice. Yeah, at the in Montreal itself. Did anyone walk out from the Human Centipede? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the the, the I, I <laughs> uh, actually the the company that 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 released uh, Human Centipede IFC Films is a company that I interned um when I was still a student. Right. And then I had a chat with the marketing uh, director there. And he said that yeah, for the Human Centipede, that pr- specific premiere that I was at, yeah, um, they actually stood, they stand by ambulances in case it got what? too uh, intense. I- is it true or is it just a marketing? Uh, uh, I mean, gimmick? It's, it's true they had the ambulance on standby, but right. it's definitely more for a marketing gimmick than anything else, like, you know? I mean, you're watching a film that with the title Human Centipede, it kind of tells you roughly yeah. where the film is going, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've so got to prepare yourself. You got to prepare yourself, and you buy a ticket to Human Centipede, you know you're gonna see something that is gonna be gross, disgusting, out and gory, yeah. gory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I actually like the first Human Centipede. The next two, I just can't. I can't. Um, next two? That's that's the third one. Yeah, yeah. That's oh. Human Centipede two and Human Centipede three, and those those sequels, I I cannot uh, abide by right. because they're, they're just too. It's just made for shock value, right? Yeah, it's made completely for shock value yeah. and, and there's no real artistry there anymore. It's just meant to gross you out and throw up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, it's like the Saw franchise, basically. Yeah, the but... The first one has a kind of like a philosophy mm-hmm. behind it, an mm-hmm. idea behind it and then the rest just delves into like, you know, gore, shock, blood and all that well, shit. Well, okay, the difference between Saw, the Saw series, and I can say, I, I test this because I'm a huge fan of the Saw series. Right, right. But I'm not a huge fan of the of the Human Centipede series. But the, the difference between those two is that the, the Saw premi- uh, franchise actually built on um, the, 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 the idea of the first film and it mm. really went into some really uh, interesting interesting twists and turns and, and, and I actually st- I, I stand by the first the, all six films except the last film the seventh and the latest iteration I think last year that was terrible as well Right. so right. The, the first six Saw films are fantastic the seventh one when they start doing the 3D shit that's terrible that's the, terrible the, okay, yeah, so okay. Don't, don't, I don't bother with those but uh, yeah between that and The Human Centipede I'll watch Saw 1 to 6 any time of the day <laughs> any time of the day any time of the day I'll watch oh, it straight ha- through having lunch having lunch I could eat spaghetti <laughs> meatballs sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so when you um after after army right when you how would your parents react when you tell them say hey I want to study film in, in the US uh, they like- not well uh, having you know come from Singapore uh you are s- supposed to be a certain way. You're supposed to study certain subjects. But I'm very happy and privileged to have parents that sort of stood by my artistic uh, uh, tendencies and uh, actually supported me going overseas. Of course, uh, if without their support, I wouldn't be able to go to USC to study right, filmmaking. Yeah. So it's good that they um, they were there for that and and they're supportive. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's cool, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Did they come to visit you? Uh, no, uh, because it was so expensive. Uh, it still is expensive to fly there and back. Uh, they only ever visited US once, uh, just for my graduation. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Wow. So after the graduation, I uh, stayed a year um, after I finished and worked for a, a company called Cinema Colet. Uh, it's run by a, a lady, Nancy Colet, who consults for film festivals mm. and small indie uh, film distribution outfits uh, in, the, in, the, in the rest of the world. So under her, I also learned a, a lot about tracking films, uh, talent, um, hustling to get people that or films that you want in your clients' uh, festivals and so on. Um, so I, I really learned a lot under her, but when the time was up, um, my visa expired and I had to come back to Singapore. So I came back to Singapore and I ran um, the substation's now defunct uh, Moving Images program. I remember that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, w- w- I, I was their last program manager. Um, so in that role, I was uh, positioned to help local filmmakers promote their work as mm. well as to uh, have you know uh, the programs that develop their acumen and, and encourage that. So I ran First Take and the last Singapore Short Film Awards back in 2015. Um, so yeah, and, and when the new director came in, um, they decided that there was no uh, place for the film program. So th- after that, I left and I started Anticipate Pictures. So that was uh, twenty end of 2015, 2016? Yeah, so yeah. end of 2015, uh, beginning of 2016 was when I left Substation formally. And by September 2016, I had started out uh, Anticipate Pictures. So it's been like two years-ish. Yeah, yeah. it's been two years. And while well, we're having this podcast today in the middle of December, so it's two years, about two months. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> it's been a crazy ride. Right. Uh, I think starting up your own company is something that you better love what you do and not for the money, especially yeah. for an industry like this. Um, you can't flip, uh, you know, property. You can't. You 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 have to be in it for the long run. Mm. And I think you can only do this job if you really love uh, films. Right. Yeah. How did st- uh the starting few months though? Was it scary? Was it fearful? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It was extremely scary. It yeah. was. Uh, well, I mean, I had to find investors. Uh, so that was a lot of rejection. Uh, I had to take, and nobody. I mean, people could see sort of the value mm. of having some a company like this, but they looked at my background and it's you know very stark. I only had a filmmaking degree, I had no acumen in business uh, mm. whatsoever except for my experiences, brief ones, uh, in the Jewish companies and you know uh, working and living in the, in, in North America. Um, but eventually, I think I managed to convince one guy, and and uh, he he became my angel investor, and he started and he put in the capital, and then we started off with uh, our first film, Tony Erdman. Mm, uh, yes. Back in twenty sixteen, um, it was the breakout hit from Ken. Right. Um, but you know the premise of it alone, you know, this is a two and a half hour German language uh, comedy. Right. So on the paper, on paper, it didn't seem like an easy sell, and I think everybody passed it by. So I was able to grab it pretty pretty easily um, mm. but then trying to bring it here was easy but trying to release it in Singapore that was the hard part and it still is the hard part uh, because no cinemas uh, would dare to play a film like this um, even because of the duration or because language of the, duration of the things yeah, yeah. that I mentioned the language the duration right. never mind they had got all these accolades and it's a, it's a fantastic film yeah. made by a female filmmaker uh, Mara Ade who is a great uh, script writer as well um, never mind all that, you know, it's just hard to release that. Mm. And I think the only screening in the cinema then was, uh, it premiered at the German Film Festival in Singapore in 2016. That was in October. And then three months later, it played one or two times at the projector. Right. As part of their Oscar recap. And that's, that's about it. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I didn't make back 
any money. Actually, I still haven't made back any money on any of the titles I have. Uh, uh, but 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 we're we're proud of all of them and and the but the, the same issues that have affected releases of our titles and the why people haven't broken in with more diverse content in cinemas mm. is the same reasons I and struggles I still face even back then and now I have it a bit easier now because I have this GV thing but right. even that is not uh you know that was still sort of put out to me not for sort of a trial basis mm. um so so it remains to be seen uh, whether or not uh, we can sustain that relationship with them uh, with gv in in and singapore film society uh successfully but um the i think gv has been uh, taking some of your con- controversial like air quotes uh films mm-hmm. like uh Cl- climax and the house that jack built as well yeah yeah we started yeah. the the well really the the relationship with gv started with a conversation that me and uh, David Lee, uh, the vice pre- vice chairman of Singapore Film Society, uh, and Kenneth Tan, the chairman, uh, had in I think July this year. We were soft, you know, they, we were just having a coffee and 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 they remarked like, why you know, the film society uh always licenses um our films to play for the members, um but it never plays further after that. We always be like, oh, we can go watch it at Dart's house. Mm. Um, and so we were trying to find a way where it would be both mutually beneficial to have uh, to promote uh, the films that I was bringing in um, as well as, as to uh, increase value for the members having having films like mine uh, like our screen for them uh, so so in the end we sort of worked out um, a, a, a good relationship where they would you know they would sort of uh, uh, handle the the, the the liaison with with GV while I just took care of procuring the films. Mm. Yeah, so we started a relationship with in November last month, uh, where we showcased the uh, house that Jack built uh, after our Scream Asia Film Festival and the Singapore Writers Festival engagements. We played House that Jack built, and then we just this weekend we had Climax open at Pyalebar, which did very well uh, in in its uh, Saturday night slot. Right. Uh, less so for Friday night. So so we are also learning a little bit about you know audiences and right. habits, um for adult skewing uh, art house content, uh like House of Jack Build and Climax maybe won't do as well on a Friday night mm. because people just knock up from work and they want to just chill and not like think about heavy stuff. But right. but Saturday night would work because you know, people have like some time to like decompress from mm. the week and they're ready to like try something uh, a bit heavier and and more serious. Um, so yeah, I, I I think this is also a learning process for both um, anticipate um, and film society. Right. Yeah. So you said you watched the house that Jack built like six times already. Okay. <laughs> uh, I no, I I saw I've seen it through I think four times. Right. Um, uh, and I saw maybe saw part of it a few times. Right. Parts of the film a few times as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting experience. That was a very uh hard uh decision. Mm. Um. I mean, I first saw it in, in Cannes during the market preview. Um, the preview was before the world premiere. I remember it was a closed door. Um, it was so hush hush. The screening was secret. You had to like go and take the invite from the physical invite from the office of the sales agent. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and then only if you had the invite and your name was on the list, could then you, you can you, you could, can could you enter, enter the yeah because it was. You must understand. I think Lars von Trier was personal non grata for a long for for a while after his infamous Nazi comments. Oh yeah, yeah. And then um, and so this is sort of his return to Cannes. So a lot of people were like really excited to see what mm. he would show. Um, and so at this very secret screening, uh, preview screening, we we had the I had the privilege to attend. Uh, it was completely full. Um, and I think by the by the end of the second or the second act, uh, some some people walked out. 
Wow. And, and then, so, and this is like industry, like embittered and battled industry people who are hardened to, you know, anything cinema can, tr- can throw at them and they had, and, and mm. a few of them had walked out. <laughs> Which part? Was it the, this was the, the, the family scene? No, not, no. Not the, giving anything No, away. this is not the, uh, so this was just before the family scene. Right. Uh, I think he had, he had, the one where um, Sioban Fallon had, had body is dragged on the ground behind his truck. As oh, he, as okay, he okay, went, right, right, yeah, yeah. To his, um, to his, his freezer. Uh, so that at least that some walkouts, uh, and then once the family scene hit, hit, that's it. That was it. And then I think like maybe fifty percent, a quarter of okay, no, not fifty, but a quarter of the people left. Damn, uh, that was it was yeah. And I I I was like my goodness, I was like, how much more can he? How much more bad can he get? And then you know the the Riley Keough scene, um, right. The next act, and yeah. then like and then another another quarter left the theater. Uh, but most of us stayed to the end. I think like maybe half the cinema goers stayed to the end. Um, and it was a very long journey, as you as we know. Uh, it's 155 minutes, um, and and initially, of course, uh, my concern first co- of concern was of course uh, how the people at Cannes would take it, how the reaction would be, and then the next was if I got brought the film here uh, to Singapore, would it be censored? Because mm-hmm. anticipate uh, at my company, we never want to bring in any films cut. Right. Uh, we have had a one had made one exception, but we can get to that later. But usually, we we, we, we don't have any cuts. We don't have any cuts at all um, to the film because they will compromise the artistic vision of the directors. Um. So. So the the I remember the bias screening was the three days before the world premiere on a Friday night, late night, and then Sunday night was the world premiere at at midnight, and I was I remember reading the uh, tweets and the. Knee-jerk comments on Twitter after the premiere, and people were like, "Yep, this is this is disgusting. disgusting this is wrong. This is wrong." Yeah. Uh, but then in the the eight hours later, Eric Cohn of IndieWire gave it an A plus A, a minus review. Right. Um. And actually, I quote some. Mo- I I quote most of his uh, sentiments. I mean, beneath the gross out elements, the graphic elements, yeah. and the scene of brief animal cruelty, which is fake, by the way. Um. There, there is a very that therein lies a portrait of an artist mm. that is trying to work out his inner demons, yeah. uh, through his film, through, yeah. through through his artwork. Um, and last one year, of course, he's a very uh, controversial figure in cinema anyway, mm. and he just he lives up to his uh, infamy and and dissects it too in this latest work. Um, and so I I, I decided okay. Um, I, I think that there's a point I, I should bring this in to let yeah. people judge for themselves so I had I went to the sales agent and be like okay look uh, I'll try to get this uncut if I don't mm. get it uncut in Singapore I won't distribute it is that okay and so we agree on that right R21 uh, M18 no it's M18 surprisingly M18, yeah. surprisingly yeah. M18 I wasn't quite expecting that but <laughs> it was M18 and no cuts wow nice so nice. that was, that was, a, that was a nice pleasant surprise yeah I mean the the film could have very easily have been in the hands of like a less uh, a lesser filmmaker if I could say it could easily have been just a crazy psychopath going around yep. killing people yep, yep. that's it right correct but how this film is is like Jack is actually an, an artist he's a, he's, a, he's a creative guy he wants to create something you know mm-hmm. but somehow when he was going growing up or maybe in his childhood he was went the wrong direction got fucked up you know and then now he he sees the world in this in the way that the the film portrayed it to be, yeah. And I think, yeah. um, I think we're talking about it as well. And 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 I was telling you that this is uh, 
for me personally, since like maybe Taxi Driver, you know, like first uh, person pers- perspective, mm-hmm. I think this film excels in it pretty yep. well, yep. really well actually, mm-hmm. especially with the use of voiceovers and what what's going on in his head and everything. And yeah, yeah, and s- and some very iconic scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not giving too much away, but in the freezer, yeah, when the camera is just spinning round and round, and then yes, yes. for a couple of like frames, you just stop. And then just continue spinning again, and yeah. then you're like, please don't stop. Yeah, because you don't want to see the you can see the horror yeah. of the you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and there's a voiceover that just narrates the thing that's going on in his head. If I'm not wrong, during that scene as yeah. well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think for for coming from from me who is not really a big fan of Last One Trier. Okay. Um, I didn't really enjoy Nymphomaniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I watched the first one here and there, yeah, and then yeah. the second one I stopped like maybe 15, 20 minutes in. Sure, sure. Um. Yeah, I, I felt that was a bit too preachy. Especially when uh, they always cut back to uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg with... Uh, uh, yeah, the uh, Stellan Saskar. Yeah, I can't remember his character's yeah. name, but yeah, they would talk... You know, like, they would show a scene and then they would, they would cut back to her and then yeah. Stellan Strasgard will explain yeah. what's happening. I'm like, why, why, why is this? Yeah, I think you know, yeah, <laughs> Lars is doing this thing called digressionism. In his words, he calls this kind of filmmaking, uh, this kind of uh, storyline digressionism, where mm. it's the main plot is somebody narrating his life to somebody else. And then they would take digressions away from the main plot to yeah. illustrate a point that they're trying to make and then come back to the main plot and another one, another one. So, uh, yeah, Vontria, I mean, Lars is, is he's always been sort of pushing the kind of la- similar language. Of course, he's known for the dogma movement. Uh, and now he wants to try this thing called digressionism. So I feel like all his films of late has been like that. And also, what can you and can you not show on screen as well? Yeah. <laughs> he has a wicked sen- sense of humor, which I pre- en- pretty much enjoy, like, especially the scene where she's trying to get a threesome with the two black guys. Yeah. And then one of them couldn't really speak English or something, and then she's trying to translate and then writing it down and <laughs> give to the other guy, can you read this to him? Um, but the part where I kind of like checked out was in the hotel room. Okay. Uh, and then like, the shot of her like lying in bed and then the two cocks like oh in front. yeah I, at the point i was like uh i yeah. can't take this seriously <laughs> anymore you know sure. i gotta yeah see a film like that would not pass singapore in singapore yeah, right and nobody yeah. tried <laughs> so w- was it screen here though nymphomaniac no it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't right no, it wasn't did. at all yeah yeah i think the last one that did screen here maybe under the auspices of some festival was Melancholia. Did Melancholia Pro- even get it yet into Singapore? May- that was quite a while back, right? Yeah, yeah, that was before the Infomaniac. 08, 07? No, Melancholia? It, no. It, would, can't be, it must have been like 2012 or something. Oh, 2012, alright, yeah. right, yeah. Interesting, yeah. I think that probably would have got a screening. Yeah, that, that one would yeah. have passed, uh, but definitely not Infomaniac. Um, and I think Antichrist didn't pass uncut either. Oh, the opening of Antichrist is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. that opening that, was amazing. That is that is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, that one. That one I I, I did enjoy, but I find it very disturbing as well. Mm, 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 mm. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess anticipate. Uh, we want to do films like that that yeah. push the boundaries and push the boundaries and 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 and, and really showcase showcase what the best or. Uh, the best of world cinema has to offer both its auteurs and its f- its films. Um, so we 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 grab the, the the last one trio, and we also grab the the Gaspar Noe f- uh, film climax, which yeah. I think a few people were quite were trying to get as well for Singapore. Mm. Um, but we were very happy to do climax because Gaspar is also an artist. Um, you may not like all his all of his works, but you can appreciate. Uh, I feel like anybody can appreciate why he's making these kind of films. Did, did anyone walk up from the cinema for for climax? No, for no. Climax? People no. were pretty much stuck. <laughs> I mean, the, right. the the bias screening I was at, everybody was 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 there like Nobody really walked out. I think maybe two people, but that's nothing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
I kind of expected it to slightly go down the horror route. Yeah. Horror route. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So it ended somewhere. It's like kind of early, I would say. And uh, I mm. was t- quite taken aback. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's quite a short film as well, right? It's like yeah. 90, 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really yeah. short, yeah. I thought it was going to be... At, his films previously has been like... Uh, yeah. More than 90 minutes. Like 120 minutes at yeah. least, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Love was... It's a hundred minutes, um, and then of course Enter the Void, which is like hundred and sixty minutes or something like that. Yeah, the, direct, the director's cut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that I think brevity is wit. So I'm mm. glad he toned it down for climax. And right. It shows it's uh, tightly edited, and um, yeah, you may feel it's a bit abrupt the ending, uh, but I think I think it's it, it's quite quite well quite well made lah in that mm. sense. Yeah. Which which of the films that uh, do you that ha- that you have brought to Singapore? Um, uh, affected you the most, uh, if, if if you could say. Affected me in what way? Emo- emotionally, psychologically, mentally. Oh. Uh, L- left like a the deepest impact. <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, I I have, I have I have strong feelings for all my films, but I think the one that sort of uh sort of fucked me up in a way was uh the killing of a sacred deer. Ooh. I remember when I first saw that in Cannes, I just. I just didn't know what to think. Mm. Um, it felt like my mind just melted. <laughs> uh, just because um, you know, you 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 see a Lantimos film and and you sort of if you know his work, you know what to expect. Um, it definitely wasn't as abrasive as Dog Tooth, mm. uh, or as far out as Dog Tooth, but it it had its own inner inner psychology. Uh, the way it's filmed, uh, Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell's uh, committed performances, even the kids who have now gone on to very successful careers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The sister is, uh, I think she's she's Miss. Um, oh my goodness, what is uh, uh, Vox Lux? She plays Natalie Portman's mm. Raffi Cassidy, and then the 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 son, uh, who is now in mid nineties, the Jonah Hill film that oh, we okay. that we tried to get, but you know it was already already sold. Um, yeah, so so the, everybody in that film gave very comedic performances, and the script was strong, and the artistic direction. So, but I think remember after the the very the climax of the film, after when it happened, like I was I was on the edge of my seat, and I I can't remember ever feeling that way about a lot of films. Um, yeah, so so that was quite a film that that stuck with me particularly. It's something that right. I would love to show more of. Uh. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But if, but if, uh, we, if there's no chance. <laughs> do do, do you think that's his most accessible uh, film as compared to The Lobster and Dog 2? Uh, I feel The Lobster was more accessible. Was more accessible than this. Yeah, and, right. and now he has his new, his new film, The Favourite, um, which is wrapped by Fox Searchlight. It's going to come out in Singapore um, right. under Fox. So uh, I think that will be his next most accessible film. That's a period piece, right? Yeah, That's yeah, it's a period yeah. piece. Um, the lead actress is apparently very good in it. Uh, and, and so I'm quite excited to see. I think it's gonna, it has a Valentine's Day release date. Wow. In, 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 cinema, in Singapore theatres, yeah. Is it a love uh, ro- romance film or? No, no, it's a, it's a period piece about a queen that doesn't know how to... Uh, Govern her old country. She's stuck in this in this like sort of high tower of a, of right. a palace, and so she leaves the governing of the country to a few underlings and whoever is managed to carry Perfect favor. Valentine's Day film, man. Perfect Valentine's Day film. Yeah, <laughs> you bring a date, and then she's like, "Oh, this this is good." Yeah, let's yeah. go see the favorite. Let's get let's see. Let's it's see like, what uh, the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh it's interesting this, that, that that the people we have on our slate have gone into uh, major careers. We mm. also managed to have the chance to buy a few. Um, uh, you know, trusted auteurs like Michael Haneke, uh, Happy End. We're yes, very, yes, very happy yeah. to do that film. 
uh, I mean, I thought I think a lot of people didn't quite get happy when it came out. Um, mm. but but every time I watch that film, I get a lot a lot more out of it. In fact, it's a pretty funny film. Yeah, which is not quite common for Hanukkah. But this one is pretty good funny. But anyway, I mean, they didn't do as well as we thought it could. But right. oh well. Um. Yeah, it's pretty pretty funny when you compare to like a more, you know, or mm. some of his previous works. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, man. I, like, I, I remember watching Amor uh, in, in theaters and like with a couple of friends. Um, and we just sat through until the, the credits ro- uh, finished, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, r- rarely do, like, do we do that these days. Yeah. Like, after just the main uh, top of the line credits, you know, people just stand up and leave. Mm-hmm. But Amor, you kind of need to take that couple of minutes just to compose yourself and yep, the theater. Yeah. But th- this is the thing, you know, now, now especially with, uh, I don't know if, if you agree with me, but like, uh, Netflix productions have been sure. making a lot of uh, their own original films especially mm-hmm. and I think uh, Scorsese has uh, The Irishman coming out on, yes. on Netflix yep. sometime next year yep. um, but there's some films that you can't watch it on your uh, laptop or even even if you have a TV or projector even yeah. at home you know you can't you, you need to be outside your comfort zone yeah. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you, yeah. you can't be comfortable or uh, where you can be easily distracted. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And that, and I think that's the beauty about cinema as well, right? That you enter the dark room with other people as when you go on this journey together for like two hours. Yes. yes. And then hopefully everyone puts their phone away and yeah. not distract <laughs> someone else. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. I, Sorry. Yeah. This it's always something to be. Yeah. That's why we we um anticipate we always tra- uh we always want our films to be seen in a cinema as much as possible. I feel like, yeah, it's the only way to. Uh, experience it the way the filmmaker intended without mm. the distractions as, as you as you talked about funny enough this morning I was having a conversation with a friend who said that uh, he believed that if he, it was up to him he would kept, he would take away the, the scrubbing function on the playback mm-hmm. for, 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 for any of these streaming platforms right um, because you become your own editor of the film in a way if you pause the, if you, you get, you get, if you get to pause the film Right. Do something else, come back to it, and then find all you find the 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 space where you you last saw the film and you start again, like that is in itself uh not in the f- in the favor of the filmmaker or the damn purist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it was <laughs> not to him, he would like not even you. I did start. You okay? You have to press play once and you must watch all the way to the end. If you stop halfway, that means you reset you all the re- way to, the, to the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah, yeah. So that was how. <laughs> wow. You felt. I mean, that was that's a, it's a pretty radical thinking, but yeah, it's true. If, uh, up to um, the last decade, we didn't right. re- we didn't really have the chance to to do that record yeah. or to pause or to rewind. Uh, yeah, sure. In VHS in the eighties and nineties, you mm. could sort of you know record something. And but if you're watching a brand new film uh, 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 in a cinema, you couldn't press stop and pause and as you go to the toilet or something. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. that's interesting to note how um, our own. Uh, evolution of consuming films has has changed in its in its last hundred years. But also going back to um, piracy, okay. uh, we we should talk a little before. Yep. I think now with um, streaming like services like Netflix, Amazon, yeah. uh, even iTunes as well, it, it, I think there is a, a advantage there. You kind of they kind of take away the need to pirate. Yeah. you know, download yes, yes. Uh, films, but. Those are always better because when you pay for like let's say iTunes download, you know you know that some part of it, well not maybe not really like, to to the studio mostly, but you're kind of like supporting the the filmmaker and, and and the idea of the film behind it as well. Yeah. But then just going to torrent, you know, and just torrent it on yeah. online. So yeah, I think uh, it was during my time in USC when I stopped 
pirating entirely because the options available in the north in North America to find a film that you even a rare one or old one, it was much easier than it is in in Singapore. You could always go to the, um, I mean for me going to Amoeba Records, yep, which is a uh, uh, very famous sort of secondhand uh, uh CDs and and DVDs uh store. Uh, they 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 usually would have a, a copy of the rare film lying around. They they're so they're so huge in LA and San Francisco. Um, so it was easier to find content and easier to uh, get them quite affordably. Mm. So I just stopped pirating. In fact, I amassed a ton of uh, films on Blu-ray yeah. and DVD when I was there. Uh, then coming back to Singapore after that 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 time, um, it's. I mean, I wouldn't liken it. I would liken it to like returning to some kind of cultural desert. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these um, films, and now as a distributor, I understand uh, the rights are, are not, uh, you know, allocated to, to, to Singapore or there's some a decision that the rights holder had that wouldn't allow it to be distributed here. It's too small a market as well. It's too small a market. Yeah. Um, so the, if the only way is for you to see the film is to pirate you know, if it really isn't available in iTunes or Google Play or, you know, yeah. in, in for your store in, in your in your in your part of the world. And, you know, I, I, I would rather you try and find a film this film through the legal means, but if you really can't, then, you know, try and import it from Amazon, UK yeah. or US. And if but if that's even out of your price range and you can't afford to spend thirty US dollars on a Blu ray or something then okay fine you 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 should find it your own way yeah then you just um, send an email to vincent and, and, <laughs> and say hey please bring in this yeah yeah which actually title. Uh, I, I encourage people to do that <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, uh some people uh, i think it was it not you that told me on the set uh, of daniel Hayes film that we should i should buy patterson or i should bring in patterson maybe it's not you it was somebody right. somebody had told me that Oh, you know, this is November. I was um I was an extra on 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 Daniel Hui's uh, film called Demons, right. um, and I was just you know was, we were passing the time. I was talking to another extra, and and he was familiar with my work, and uh he said, hey, uh have you not thought about bringing in Jim Jarmusch's Patterson? Mm. And I was like, yeah, actually that film sort of passed me by when I was in Cannes, right? And uh, I I said okay I'll think about it and then and then I managed to get in touch with the the sales agent and I said hey, can I get can I get a screener so I saw the film and I loved it of course mm. um and 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 then I went I uh, I actually went I, I visited my girlfriend in, in in the UK and it was in release in cinemas in the UK and I and I watched it with her and I really felt the the power of the film and and yeah. I bought it so so you know. My door is always open in terms of uh, if you have an idea for a film that we should buy mm. or we should look at to bring in and nobody has done it yet or you don't know who has it for Singapore, yeah, feel free to text through our Facebook page or email me at findahumanentitypictures.com and, yeah. and you know we will, we will I'll, I'll try and look at it and, and see if yeah. it's still available. Yeah. I'll link your website in the description. La. <laughs> okay, yeah, no sure. Worries, yeah. <laughs> but Patterson, I, yeah, pa- Patterson left a huge uh, impact on me as well. Yeah. Not so much for what... Uh, I don't know how to put it, but... Put put this, but not so much for how the film is, but what it isn't. Mm. You know, what is it not? What what is it not? Like mm. it's not. Um, is the guy is not a hero. You know, mm. not 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 in the way that a lot of uh, films these days portray a hero to his. Yep. Uh, uh, is or should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he really. <coughs> Sorry. He really got. Uh, Jim Jamush really got down the blue collar, small town kind of worker. Mm-hmm. You know, and just, uh, yeah. Uh, it's not something that you see often on, on the big screen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, this, this humble story, yeah. Yeah, and even the moment where, like, he lost the, the pages, like, you, 
yeah like everything about it is just so realistic in 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 a sense um Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. It's, and it's good man it's good, it's good yeah. Film, yeah it was a celebration of the so called the mundane it was a c- celebration of the everyday everyday, everyday life everyday right? everyday yeah. life of, of a humble bus driver um, and yeah, I think I think Jamush really knows how to capture the, the these moments in such a magical and uh, uh, magical light really um, that, that brings meaning to the person uh, living it uh, and and thereby bringing meaning to the people who are watching his film. As and well. it's never never once the film tried to force feed any message to the audience. Yeah, force feed any like theme or hey, this is what we are about. You know, this is what yes. they're talking about. Yep. It's just watch this and you make your own conclusions. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think films reflect the times that we live in. I mm. feel like a lot more filmmakers these days uh, always make films with a message or a mm. social issue or something they want to try and highlight. Um, and rarely does a film come along that doesn't patronize you, that doesn't try and force feed you some kind of deep meaning. Mm. Um, even though, okay, arguably you could maybe Patterson is trying to give us a, a deep meaning in its in its in its mundanity. Uh, but yeah, it, it 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 it's I think it's special for a lot of people when they first saw Patterson because it was it wasn't bombastic. It mm. wasn't trying to preach. It yeah. wasn't you know uh, compared to a film like The House of Jack Built. Uh, you know that one. The latter definitely had some issues and, yeah. and messages that was trying to exercise. <laughs> Whereas Patterson is more like, oh, okay, you know, there, there's no bomb on the bus that yeah. he has to. No, no, there's not, no bomb. You know, he doesn't have to no, drive it. There's above. no terrorists. Yeah. You know, trying to. He, does, he doesn't have to conform to a certain speed limit. Otherwise, he's. He doesn't have to save the world. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just have to figure out, like you know, yeah, yeah. His, his own self and his identity and whatever. Yeah. Um. No, but this th- this is why I I, I really uh, enjoy the films that you bring in, and I feel that anticipated pictures have a very important place to play in Singapore oh, and for the years to come as well. Because <laughs> you know, like I, I was in film school and we have this uh, film theorist uh, uh, le- lecturer mm-hmm. who was like sixties, uh, maybe in the sixties, like old school kind of guy, you know. And then he would say that um, they're, they're, to the point where there are only a few like theaters that he would v- visit to watch films. Because he feel that that's the sound quality and the image is perfect, and uh, he's he's the kind of guy who who will be like, hey, you know, film project a uh, projector itself is is the way to go. Like digital is not you know it's inferior or whatever. Not so much on the resolution or everything, but just you know the nostal nostalgia of it. Mm-hmm. And he always tell us that hey, uh, um, you know, when I was young, when I was like twelve or thirteen, I like uh, walk thirty minutes to and queue an hour outside this theater to watch two thousand one Space Odyssey. Wow. And, then, and then I, <laughs> I was like, oh, they screened 2001 Space Odyssey in London? <laughs> it didn't in Singapore, man. You know? And right. um, so I, I feel that your where you are as well, like, um, kind of sets the films that you are able to watch. Yeah. And for quite a long time, Singapore didn't have, or, or if it weren't for you, like, the specific films that you brought wouldn't have played in Singapore and people wouldn't have been able to enjoy the films. Mm-hmm. So, and then, of course, People like uh people like us who who want who want to watch the titles would have to resort to piracy, you know, True. to to download it. So yeah, yeah, I guess it, it, it's important what you're doing, you know. Thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate that sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, I I won't claim that I'm the first in this country to do this, but uh, a lot of players have come and gone. Mm. Um, there was festive films in the early two thousands. Uh, Lighthouse Pictures uh, was more active in uh, the earlier part of this decade, uh, but and you know the the Cathay Cineplexes used to have uh, the Picture House, but that 
uh, yeah, it's sort of petered out, and now it's a gold class thing. So I think more and more, you we I have to struggle with the fact that exhibitors have have more on their on their minds, mm. usually about money, than the the pleasure of watching a film in a cinema, especially a film like like an anticipated film. Um, and that is something that we have to try and find a way to to talk to mm. uh, to the exhibitors to to get them to understand that diversity is important. Yep. Um, just to you know, uh, uh, encourage the movie going crowd to be a bit more selective in their in their taste. Um, yeah, I I I I struggle with this fact that you know, in the ideal world, people like me wouldn't exist. Content would be freely available anywhere, anytime, mm. and not freely like for free, but means uh it's it's accessible to everywhere in the world. Right. I acknowledge that um we are sort of a gatekeeper, and that is unfortunate. Um, but that is how the film industry has been set up, mm, and mm. we just we have to try and find a place in this industry for us to thrive, um, both in the in the bigger picture in the world as well as for Singapore. So whatever we can do yeah. is 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 is, is we are happy to do it. Are, are there any like specific criteria that you have in mind when you like uh, think of a film to bring to Singapore? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, usually I I I, I watch a film with two hats. Mm. My first hat is the uh, the cinephile in me like do I do I want to watch this film do you enjoy the, the film yeah, do, I yeah. watch, do I no do I even want to watch the film in the first place right uh, because of the con- of the content because of the author or the, the director because of the talent and then the second hat I had to put on is the commercial hat the business side which is like can I sell it mm-hmm. I've made mistakes with films in the past uh, no, don't get me wrong I feel like okay I love every single film that my company has brought in mm. Uh, but there are definitely films that is a tougher sell, much much tougher sell, and would def is definitely not commercially viable in in this country. Right. Um. And and you know, uh, I've learned from those mistakes, and we we try and I I try and acquire films only if I can find a way to market it mm. to a sizable enough crowd, and then I'll consider bringing that in. Have you ever experienced like um the first hat works like hundred percent, and then second hat you're like, uh maybe not, and then you pass on the idea and w- w- was oh, there any yeah definitely I think <laughs> there are a lot a lot of films that I love to death but mm. I just couldn't bring it in because I know it's not commercial I think for example I think one that just popped my mind immediately is uh, SGIFF uh, Singapore International Film Festival just had this film called The Chambermaid mm. uh, it was it was this very touching study about a, a chambermaid in a, in a large hotel as she cleans you know her, her client her, uh, the rooms on the floor um, and then you know the the the, the literal uh, moving up in the world like she right, has, right. she wants to clean the suites she wants to clean the presidential suite in this hotel because it's like it's easier first of all and also because she gets to enjoy cleaning mm. it while she's in the room so it was a very touching and warm film uh, it's a Mexican film but hey Mexican film uh, with no stars uh, you know and 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 no it's kind of a, like a Patterson like it doesn't have right, a huge right. like finale and climax. Mm. Um, how do I sell that? Right. right. So that's where I feel like festivals take the place that I can't the, take the, the the films that I can't take in. Mm, mm. That's why I'm happy that they SGFF does films like The Chimamay or Happiest Lazaro or, or, or you know any of these other films that, that, that I can just cannot uh, justify commercially to bring mm. it in. Because terrible things happen when when I buy films based on my own cinephilia. Mm. Uh, for for example, I bought 
I bought Safari, Ulrich Seidel's uh, documentary about trophy hunting. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I can't... When people ask me, like, am I always... Am I disappointed by any film that we have? Actually, that film, I love because it's a really good expose um, and unpatronizing and unbiased look at the people who participate in trophy hunting in, in Africa. Um, but, you know, how do you sell that, you know, for a date night? Like, who's... You, do you want to bring yeah. a, 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 your girl to... Or your, your boyfriend to see a film about, you know... Uh, people killing animals <laughs> and you know skinning giraffes like, that's gonna yeah. be a hard sell so yeah. um that, that was one one case study which a cautionary tale that i've always brought with me like okay you may love these films but there are there are other avenues that you can promote them mm. in singapore uh you don't have to take that place uh, but of course in the ideal world people like me yeah. festivals won't exist were there any instances on the other way around like the your first head was like uh okay, this film is alright. I'm not like super excited about it. But then commercial-wise, you know that this film can sell. Were there any instances wow. where you... No lah, I mean, uh, there, uh, there have been instances where I've been wrong in my uh, first... My, uh, I've been wrong in the in my first uh, uh, review. Mm. I feel, okay, for example, Faces Places, one of the my best performing films uh, to date... I, I, I passed actually very early um, because I thought wow this is it's a great heartwarming film but mm. you know it's completely in French um, if you don't know cinema you wouldn't know Agnes Bada mm. in JR yeah he's a street artist he's a huge Instagram following but you know street art is illegal in Singapore right <laughs> vandalism <laughs> right vandalism yeah so huh, how so initially when I saw it I was charmed completely by the film yeah. but I was thinking, oh, this won't, this won't do anything in Singapore. Right. This was in September, um, and and by the time last this time last year, in December, it was already getting so much Oscar attention. Right, uh, right. So I was like, okay, you know what? I should try and do this film because who else is gonna be able to? Mm. I mean, sure, maybe a, a French film festival here or there will play it once or twice, but this film really deserves to be uh, uh, seen more than just the the the, the crowd that, that right. speaks the language. Um, so so I went back to the source agent and I said, look, uh, you know, I passed it last time, but is it still available? And he said, yeah, yeah, it's available in Singapore. So, okay, great. So so I, I bought it and, and it's been doing great for us. Uh, we've mm. been getting um, repeated screenings uh, at the projector. Uh, I think people really resonate with the film right. uh, if once they give it a chance. And so it kind of surpassed your expectations. Yeah, it definitely surpassed my expectations. It surpassed my first reading of the film whereby I thought, oh, the people here wouldn't quite gravitate to that unless right. they spoke French or they were cinephiles already. Um, but it... it through, through word of mouth um, since we premiered it at the Francophile Festival in March this year it, it played again in, in April and then in June we released it in, in Arts House in June and then you know we, we kept playing it uh, in, in various venues uh, Archifest played it mm. you know, and the, the projector took it on a few more times after that um, so it's it's really one of those evergreen products that that I have to find more of <laughs> right nice and, and I constantly ask myself like maybe Maybe my own reading of films can be too harsh sometimes. Mm. I, I, sometimes when I feel, see films, I'm like, oh shit, that's not going to pass censorship. Mm. But then it turns out it's okay. Well, of course, on the converse side, there are some things that like, 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 like uh, passed, that didn't pass censorship. I was like, oh shit, I should have, I should have seen that coming. I think case in point was the one cut that we had to make for one film, the MIA documentary, Maya Matangi, uh, uh, MIA, uh, when somebody says, Jesus fucking Christ. Mm. Um, and, and JFC is a taboo thing in uh, with, with, the, with the censors here right because right. it's supposedly blasphemous against uh, religion which in a certain context could be read as that but um, in the film it was completely uh, you know just a, a expression of anger um, 
frustration. Frustration, yeah. yeah. So it it, sh- it wouldn't be right. Shouldn't be right as that. But of mm. course, we you know cover our bases. So the deal was we had to cut the film. Otherwise, we couldn't cut that one line. Otherwise, we couldn't release it. So I went back to the producers um, and the sales agents of the film uh, of of Maya, and I said, "Hey, uh, we've got a situation here. I need to excise or at least mute this part of the film. Uh, I figure out the way." To do it, the, the my lab has figured out the the way to do it in the least intrusive way possible, which is we 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 just muted those three words mm. uh, when it when it, when it occurs, and we don't cut the scene at all. Right. So the, the the image is still the same, but you will hear just silence for like like a second, and then and then you the film will go on. Is that okay? Uh, thankfully, they were understanding, and I I put out a statement about it um, right on on Facebook and on my website saying that we did this cut, we had to do it because of this. Um, so yeah, it, it it sort of uh, it worked out in that way because we didn't actually have to cut the the the, the scene. Yeah, that's um, the last thing that you want to happen, right? Yeah, the last thing yeah. that happened is to actually cut out a, a portion of the film yeah. just because it wouldn't. So but you're saying it's over a phone call and there's no other dialogue running through that that one yeah. that three words. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it was okay because yeah. it wouldn't have interrupted the film that badly. And the context is not lost. The context as well. is not lost. Yeah. yeah. So so that was the one time we allowed a cut in okay. the film that we released. So. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. Hey, you want to um, share with us a bit about the upcoming films? Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, so we just uh, showed Climax, and Climax will actually come out again in January uh, based on the performance that we had uh, this past weekend. Uh, at the end of the month, we are showing Girl, uh, which is our sensitive uh, transgender drama um, about a 15-year-old girl who wants to be a ballerina, but she's stuck in the body of a boy. Uh, that will be at GV uh, in December 28th. Mm. Uh, and then next month, I'm happy to reveal that Suspiria, uh, the Luca Guadagnino's uh, film, will be at GV as well um, uh, on the 4th of January. Mm. Yeah, And then Cold War and Capernaum will follow suit uh, shortly after that. Right, right. Uh, in, in, in the January and February months. Hey, so just yeah. just quick one, man. Um, have have you? I'm super excited about all these films coming up. Um, but have you ever thought about like um bringing back uh not 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 really bringing back but like screening uh classics and then doing like du- double bills or yeah or, like, yeah yeah. So know. we're working closely with the film society uh with regard to Suspiria, right? So you know it's clearly a remake of not a remake it's a reimagining. <laughs> I would say more 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 accurately of the original 1977 Dario Argento classic uh, right. of the same name, Suspiria. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we do look for opportunities to partner with uh, organizations or entities to or festivals to try and uh, make a release of a film a bit more special. And so, I think we're going to do that with Suspiria. So, are you guys going to show the 1973? 75? 77. 77? Yeah. And then the, the, the <laughs> reimagining back-to-back? Uh, back I cannot confirm <laughs> uh, at this point. I have to let... Uh, yeah, we, we, we will release more information at right. a slightly later date, but it should be imminent. I mean, it's less than a month, so you will know about it soon enough. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. All right, awesome. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming down, no man. Problem, no problem. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah. I appreciate this. All you listeners who, uh, who are listening to this, check out the website, uh, anticipatedpictures.com, and click on the, the films that are coming up, You know, buy a ticket, bring a date, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> bring more. Not, uh, bring more. Uh, not... The house that Jack built, bring a buff back just in case you yeah, yeah, might want to puke. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> yeah, all right, ciao. Yeah.